everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. And we're the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's who we are. That's what we do. Always classy, sometimes classic. Always. Whoa. (laughs) I'm keeping that in. Always classic, sometimes classic. Nope. Not got that one either. One day we'll get it to stick. Just, I I can't segue into that. Nope. So yeah, it's episode 63. We are here to uh, talk about some great, great things. Isn't that right? That's right. right. Isn't that right, brother? We always talk about only great things. So, um, Seth, what have you been playing? So recently I've been playing a game called The Occupation which was developed by white paper games and actually published by humble bundle oh cool it uh came out uh back in 2019 and it is a fixed time investigative thriller uh is set in northwest england on saturday the 24th of october 1987 so I uh, actually, when I originally saw this game, I was interested in it. it. Looks like a first-person story-heavy game, and I saw time, and somewhere along the line, my brain thought it was a time-traveling game, and I was like, "Ooh, a time-traveling game! That's exciting!" So then I bought it. I actually feel like I've made up the time-traveling mechanic, and it's not nice. actually a time-traveling mechanic, and it's actually a real-life mechanic. There is an intro to the game where you play through the perspective of one character, and then it shifts to another character character where your character is told that they have an hour to get to a meeting and during that hour you have to kind of sneak around an area and try to uncover as much information as you can okay and that hour passes in real time so when they say you have an hour to get somewhere you have an hour you have exactly an hour to get there wow okay that's cool you're just hanging around listening to records in your house you're possibly going to screw up your chances of uncovering stuff oh okay uh so i i played the intro and i started the beginning of the game well the i played through the intro part of the game which is actually a pretty decent amount of gameplay and then i got to the part where it actually gets into like the fixed time mechanic yeah and i haven't actually started it and I'm glad that I recently discovered that it was not a time traveling game. I swear I thought it was a time traveling game up until a few moments ago. Nice. Well, hey, sometimes you just gotta have a time travel game that doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. It's just I just I guess I just am pining for the days of Journeyman Project. Oh journeyman project so what have you been recently been playing i've recently been playing transport tycoon deluxe Ooh, is that chris sawyer it is chris sawyer i've been playing it thanks to a port called open ttd which allows you to play transport tycoon deluxe in glorious 1080p 60 frames per second and on modern computers so transport tycoon deluxe is yes a chris sawyer game that was released in 1995 it is actually an update to the original transport tycoon that came out the year prior open ttd the port um, was made by a guy named ludwig streigus and originally released in 2008 but has since been updated as of august 2020 and actually is continuously updated and they are planning to release it via steam in the near future as a free download but just on the platform to play open ttd you will need an official copy of transport tycoon deluxe but it is available via Abandonware, or you could use the original CD if you own it. If you don't feel like downloading the Abandonware file on, on the Abandonware website or going to find the CD, it does offer you the opportunity to use graphics that are non not from Transport Tycoon Deluxe. So you can play the game, but it uses like freeware graphics, essentially. The, the UI uh, for the game is uh, pretty identical to Rollercoaster Tycoon, and I've never played Transport Tycoon 
before i've recently been playing it now so i get very thrown off by it because i'm yeah, very it's a lot I'm, of windows but even the the like actual menu looks identical to roller coaster tycoon like the the aesthetic so i keep thinking that certain things are in certain places but they're not because this is a different game but it's it's pretty fun you you mostly are building on infrastructure of a of, of different towns and connecting them via different forms of transportation as the name would imply i always like building the gigantic uh railroad station and then having like a million trains leave yeah and that's pretty much what i do and then i just close it i've been connecting towns via roads and just having a good time doing that Ooh, maybe you'll upgrade to train soon maybe i'll upgrade to train soon so uh yeah that's what i've been playing to get into today's episode this episode is actually going to be partially a, a fan suggestion we had a fan of the show who Ooh. reached out to us and suggested that we talk about mods and hacks um who goes by the username ssg infinite sonic who also has a twitch and they followed us recently and they uh, suggested that we talk about this topic which are mods and hacks which is uh, something that is very entwined with retro games and classic games. So I think it's a very on-topic thing that we could talk about. So Seth, before we get into everything, do you have any memories of playing any of hacks or mods or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So like, especially like Nexus mod, like Nexus mod is uh, the shtick as it were. I'm very, I really enjoyed modding out like Bethesda games. Oh yeah. So like I I once, I think that I did do an attempt where I tried to get every single mod for Morrowind, like the original Morrowind game. Yeah. And then attempt to put every single mod that I could into Morrowind to see if like how like modern I can make it with just using mods alone. And you can get it to a pretty good state to play. So I really enjoy um, those. I played some like Endriel, which is a total mod conversion of a game. Yeah. Which is cool in my mind. Like taking a game and modding it so completely that you have created another game yeah yeah it's awesome and that even goes back to like neverwinter nights Mm. so i used to play a lot of neverwinter nights and they had a very strong modding community and in fact they had such a strong modding community there was a mod called the kingmaker which was a a module that was a series of it was a mod that was created by the community that they sold as an expansion pack to the game because it was so well done that they bought the rights to sell it and then packaged it and gave it to people so when you bought neverwinter you could buy neverwinter kingmaker and that was the the mod that was actually created by the fan oh cool so and also like i can keep thinking about games like half-life and like yeah all the different mods that came off of half-life i think there's always for every game that i've played there is some sort of also like mod that I've also enjoyed on it, which is one of the primary reasons that I am such a diehard PC gamer is the ability to easily mod things. Even like Crusader Kings 3, I was playing a, a, a total conversion where I could play it in the world of darkness, which is so like, so not only am I taking this like grand strategy game, which is by itself kind of a niche genre yeah yeah, grand strategy but i'm then there's a big enough community out there that they totally converted the mod so that i could play this grand strategy game as a vampire from the world of darkness which is another niche genre yeah yeah no that's really cool and there's stuff that's like there's always there's also mods that i've been really excited about but have never come to fruition so there was a mod to take Baldur's gate 2 and do a redux of it and put it through the neverwinter nights 2 engine oh that's smart and i saw 
some of the early gameplay trailers and stuff like that and looked really 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 cool um unfortunately i think there was some issues with it and i believe the project was scrapped that's unfortunate they have the fallout new vegas is it the star wars mod oh yeah that's coming through where they're converting the mod so i'm part of that discord like i just want to see that project come to fruition where if you're if you're if you don't know about this there is a fallout new vegas mod that's in the pipeline where they're planning on converting it to a star wars game that's awesome which we'll see how far they get before uh disney rears its head yeah and slaps them down what about you i mean apart from very similar um you know i've i've played um some plenty of bethesda mods for different games like skyrim or fallout but i've also got really into retro hacks of games such as mario hacks and sonic hacks zelda hacks uh, primarily the only way to play those is through emulation um, but i recently came across a everdrive which is a flash cart for the sega genesis or i have one for the sega genesis so i'm able to put hacks onto that for sega games if i want to play them on real hardware which is really cool besides from that i i also was really i, I really like doom mod Mods and and half-life mods there was a period of time where i was playing a bunch of half-life one mods because i had a computer that was only really good at running half-life one and nothing else so i kind of needed to make half-life one it's a great game but i kind of needed to make it last me until i could get a better computer at the time so i downloaded plenty of mods for that there was one in particular called poke 646 which was a completely new storyline set in the half-life universe where you play as this guy who goes through the resonance cascade and has to fight aliens and and humans that are trying to kill him but i remember the coolest thing was that they replaced a lot of the weapons with like just random things that you'd find at like a hardware store like it replaces the pistol with a with a nail gun and uh it it just is very cool like the stuff that people do to get these games to be kind of a new experience but yeah that's my memories so um to go into the whole hacking and modding scene we're going to be tossing around some words that we've already used a couple but we wanted to make sure that we kind of did a little uh, vocab uh, section so this Ooh, is, yeah. i guess is your is like the glossary to this episode so just come back to this part if you forget what a word means <laughs> that's that's Ooh, convenient yes. that's especially in a linear podcast yes exactly so but go back to this particular time timestamp and yeah but you might might hear us toss around words like total conversion or mod or hack and and really not know what exactly these means in context of video games. So, uh, Seth, do you want to take us away on on some on a vocab lesson? Yes, vocab 101. So a hack is often used in conjunction with retro console games. Uh, it can be applicable for uh, modern games as well. Uh, hacks primarily alter the original code of the game. Uh, this can be done via a variety of methods, and there are a lot of tools that are out there to that offer assistance in manipulating the code of the game to suit your liking. Uh, this applies primarily to retro games, as retro games don't necessarily offer the same creative control that more modern games do. So hacking really is in term is how you can mod like a console game. Because the console game, well, especially older like cartridge-based console games and stuff like that, where they very are extremely limited in regards to, you know, you can't go to the Zelda Ocarina Time 
Nexus mod right, and download yeah, yeah. the mod directly into your N64 cartridge. So you have to get those type of changes done directly into the code of the game if you want Link to have a different color shirt or something. Yeah, exactly. Or And, and Nintendo isn't out there offering the tools to do this where um, some companies that when they release their game for like in a modern game for the PC might even provide you with the development tools via a separate download or even a separate purchase. So the next word would be mod so this is a use that will we might actually end up using this kind of interchangeably with hack but for purposes of the vocab lesson now is that mods is uh it's pretty much alteration that's done using approved methods so whereas a hack you're going into the code of the game and altering things that would have not been easy for someone to alter say back in the 1980s or 90s when they first purchased that game whereas with a mod you're taking available tool sets that were available to you again sometimes through the developer and altering the game that way and a lot of games do come with bundled with developer tools they're not always like available on startup but i mean even games like warcraft and warcraft 3 even games like warcraft 2 and warcraft 3 came with custom map makers which in a way were development tools and in a way allowed for modding in fact a lot of warcraft 3 mods were built solely using the custom map maker again mods are done to offer kind of new and creative experiences for players that's something that i was just thinking about was the difference between the intent i think as well yeah so i think when you hack something you may have a nefarious intent versus when you mod something for example when the original xcom and the xcom terror from the deep game came out I was a child, so that game was very difficult, and in order for me to have any success in that game, I had to cheat. But there were no cheat codes built into the game, so I don't know, I was in middle school or around then, had to go and develop, download third-party applications and change the code of the game so that my characters could have additional armor. But, I mean, at least I was a smart enough young child to be able to figure that out. Yeah. However, modern-day XCOM, you can download a mod and you can convert all of your people to star wars people (laughs) you can have have stormtroopers you can make all the aliens different members of the empire factions so you can make them stormtroopers and like i think you can have like 8080 drivers or something and commanders and stuff like that and then you can make all of your people the rebel alliance and you can make pew pew like instead of they can have like star wars guns you have to use multiple mods to do it but you can essentially turn xcom into a star wars game which is i feel like not nefarious right it's just whatever it's just just adding it's just adding a flavor to it whereas what i was doing to the original xcom was manipulating the game to my advantage or hacking it as it were so there is also total conversions what we talk about uh total conversions are often used in association with mods as total conversions are complete overhauls that provide an entirely new experience unique to the game some total conversions uh run independent of the original game uh using only the base code as a jumping off point so one one popular example is sonic robo blast 2 a total conversion of doom which turns the fps doom into a third person sonic game which um and, and even that has mods for it so you can mod the total conversion of doom 
to uh, uh, that play Sonic games to do other things. Like I think someone even modded it to just turn it back to Doom. <laughs> like so you can like shoot shoot robotics robots with a shotgun. Right. And or Endriel for um Skyrim is a total conversion of Skyrim and turns Skyrim from the game of Skyrim to a horror game. Yeah. So I guess the question comes into play, why do people mod and hack? And the reason is there's a variety of reasons. Some people might do it for nefarious reasons. I mean, there's plenty of people who used to hack games such as multiplayer games to maybe provide aim assist or be able to shoot through walls. Um, Some people, though, may add mods to a game like Skyrim or Fallout for purposes of quality of life improvement, uh, such as numerous bug fixes, lighting fixes, graphical overhauls, and assorted optimization tweaks that just make the game maybe run better on the system you're playing in. Minecraft is really famous for this, so in the early days of Minecraft, it was heavily unoptimized to run on most systems. It ran okay, but even some higher-end systems had issues running it, so... Optifine was developed, which was a mod for Minecraft that became incredibly popular and actually is a requirement for some other mods, but it just kind of optimizes everything as the name implies. Alternatively, someone may just want to turn all the dragons in Skyrim into Thomas the Tank Engine trains or Macho Man Randy Savage, both of which are actual mods you can download for Skyrim. They are hilarious. I did the train one. It's great because it also changes all the dragon roars to so like you'll just hear a quiet in the background and suddenly like james will be coming at you from the sky (laughs) just blowing fire and ice so uh modders also may just want a new experience to what the original game has to offer for example one of the earliest mods was castle smurfenstein from 1983 which was a graphical change to muse's castle wolfenstein that changed all the nazis into the smurfs or um another hack which was uh offering a new way to play a game such as Super Mario Bros. 3 Mix, which is a modification of the original Super Mario Bros. 3. Now, this hack offers entirely new level designs, new worlds, brand new collectibles, and other features that were brought over from future Mario games, such as a rideable Yoshi. Now, mods are often released for free through a variety of different distribution methods, probably the wildest being cereal boxes, as we talked about with Chuck's Quest, um, which Chuck's Quest is a total conversion for Doom. But some are sold such as Gary's Mod, which is a sandbox tool for the Source Engine um, and was originally developed as a mod for Half-Life 2, and Gear Esther, which started life as a Source Mod and later was ported to Unity. Though uh, some mods can just be collected through the workshop and Steam. So is any of this legal? It really depends, right? Some mods uh, gain the blessing of the original developers, such as Black Mesa, which looks to recreate the original Half-Life in the much more more improved source engine. Other examples of positive feedback include id Software, including some fan-made level mods in the official release of Doom and Doom 2 on the PS4, Switch, and the Xbox One. Modders often are very cognizant of the legality of their work and frequently require a legal copy of the game to be acquired before you can play the mod. Sometimes this is due to the mod requiring specific assets, but other times it's because the modder refuses to offer an opportunity to pirate the original product essentially also covering their own basis saying you can use this product but you have to own the game that i've modified i'm not giving you the game for free some companies like bethesda actually have a mod workshop Mm. that you have to pay for some of their 
mods yes. that their fans make. Highly controversial. <laughs> Very controversial. Outside the original right holders of the games, issues can come into play by other IP holders. Uh, some modders or hackers like to add in content from other properties, like making something Star Wars or Aliens. And this can cause issues with right holders of these those IPs, like the Star Wars mod for XCOM. 2K and the XCOM people might not necessarily care if you're putting Star Wars into their game, but Disney might. And Disney holds the rights of Star Wars, so they may stop you from the other point of view. This can cause issues where they may submit a DMCA takedown, which is a Digital Millennial Copyright Act, where they submit that against you and you have to cease to doing it. Case in point, there is an Alien vs. Predator mod for Quake, which was legally contested by 20th Century Fox. Yeah. Not to be confused with the Aliens vs. Predators game. Which I imagine could have been the reason why they legally contested it, because the Aliens vs. Predator game was probably either coming out or available and 20th century fox did not want to take revenue away from their ip so as mods tend to be free there are exceptions though as we mentioned with bethesda uh they usually stay off the radar of large copyright holders uh but every now and then someone comes knocking uh nintendo in particular is notorious for removal of popular mario or zelda mods and fan games sega on the other hand is usually very supportive and that's because genesis does what nintendo the more troublesome legal issues come into play when a hack or a mod is sold without proper permission and a lot of retro game hacks end up being sold through unlicensed cartridges or bootlegged by various online retailers you can go on to Etsy right now or AliExpress or eBay. If you look up like Sonic game, you're probably going to find like 30 different unlicensed hacks. Or the 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 GoldenEye sequel, Goldfinger. There, there's a Goldfinger mod that someone released as a cartridge. <laughs> or there's one where they replace the characters in GoldenEye with Mario characters. While some hackers may give their blessing to this action, selling a game with an intellectual property that you don't own is definitely not legal so you're really stepping into a place of you gotta be really careful if that's going to be the how you make your money so however selling something that's modded off of something that nobody owns that's right you yeah you're probably moving into being in the clear but game ips are are something that i see get switched around and revived and like they sometimes you may think that they're not owned by anybody but somewhere somewhere along the line someone like may pick it up and revitalize them like uh xcom or like like when we were talking about wolfenstein a few episodes ago the fact that the ip holder had the the rights to wolfenstein expire before it acquired them but they were owned by just some like dude in michigan You know, right, stuff like right, that yes. happens. Like some guy just will own the rights to something and who knows, maybe he wants a cut of the check. So going from there, we're going to talk about some well-known mods and hacks and such. And these are games that you might have heard of and maybe not realize that they were originally made as a modification to something or even as something that wasn't authorized by the original right holder. Modding and hacking has been with video games since the early days, from arcade board kit modifications to the early PC modification tools such as Forgotten Realms' Unlimited Adventures from our buddies over at SSI, or even the open source nature of things like the Doom Engine. Modding and hacks also haven't stayed out of the public eye. Quite the opposite. A lot of titles started life as a mod, or a hack and paved the way for new games or even entirely new genres one uh one such mod that you may or may not have heard of 
is Ms. Pac-Man. Released in 1983, Ms. Pac-Man was originally made as a modification board to the Pac-Man arcade machine. The modification provided uh, new artificial intelligence for the ghosts, uh, new mazes, and faster gameplay. The company that created the mod, General Computer Corporation, which was founded by a group of college-age students, was threatened by legal action from Atari. They presented their design to Midway, and Midway purchased the project. Uh, Namco initially didn't provide their blessing, but reportedly Namco president Masa Nakamura offered feedback on the player character's design. Uh, The game ended up selling 125,000 cabinets and made $1.2 billion by 1987. So something where the original holders attempted to stop this from going out and it went out. Another little mod that you may or may not have heard of is Counter-Strike. It was released commercially in November of 2000, but the first Counter-Strike was initially developed as a modification for the game Half-Life by a person known as Min Guzman Lee and Jess Cliff. Uh, And that was in 1999. They had previously worked on mods for the Quake engine, but when the Gold Source Software Development Kit, or SDK, became available, they shifted to this new engine. So the original Half-Life was released on something called Gold Source, which was a heavily updated version of the Quake engine and provided a lot better features than the original quake engine had to offer so it was something that modders especially wanted to shift over to when it was readily available they wanted their game counter-strike to feel very similar to other military tactical shooters such as rainbow six and spec ops now counter-strike is a multiplayer shooter following two groups terrorists and counter-terrorists the purpose of the terrorists is to eliminate the counter-terrorists and complete their objectives the purpose of the counter-terrorists is to eliminate the terrorists (laughs) as as life should be Uh, Around the time of the fifth beta for the original Counter-Strike, Valve came in and offered to buy the intellectual property and offered jobs to both Lee and Cliff. Valve released the first non-beta version of the game in 2000. Counter-Strike was uh, a a massive success, and as hopefully you know listening to this podcast, uh, and was a huge win for Valve. Uh, The game holds strong reviews from all major publications and went on to sell 250,000 units by 2001. This number... By 2003, had already increased to 1.5 million units. The retail version in the United States made an estimated $15.7 million by the summer of 2006, and the Xbox port of the game sold around 1.5 million copies in total. Counter-Strike is best known for its role in creating what's become what we now know as esports. So the original Counter-Strike is also known as Counter-Strike 1.6. And following that, there was Counter-Strike Source and Counter-Strike Global Offensive, which became even bigger in the esport industry and still holds a very strong fan base. I think there's still millions of people playing all of the Counter-Strikes oh, yeah. at any point in time at the, in the day. It's a, it's just a, a solid game. I played a lot of Counter-Strike. It was also like the game that you would play at a cafe. Yes. Yeah. Like a, so yeah. you would like a computer cafe. You and like six of your friends would go to a computer cafe and you'd sit down and you would boot up Counter-Strike. And in that cafe, there were probably six other people that are also going to be playing Counter-Strike. And then you would play Counter-Strike, maybe 1.6 at that time. But at that point in time, you'd be going up against them. I primarily came into playing Counter-Strike around the end of 1.6 and the beginning of Source, and then played 
uh, a lot of both. Um, and it's just a it's a fun game. I, I Counter Strike will probably have an episode in its own right, but there was times where I was playing Counter Strike at like four or five in the morning, questioning my life choices <laughs> and just how it is. And another game is uh, Defense of the Ancients or Dota. Uh, so Defense of the Ancients, better known as Dota, is currently a standalone title being published by valve software as dota 2 the original game was born as a modification the first dota came out in 2003 and was designed by three different modders eul or yule steve feek and ice frog don't know if that's his given name but it's a good name (laughs) probably i hope so it was a modification of the blizzard real-time strategy game warcraft 3 reign of chaos and its expansion the frozen throne so dota is what is called a multiplayer online battle arena or moba for short Uh, mobas are very similar to real-time strategy games but instead of focus on controlling an army or amassing resources you are primarily focused on your hero character the resource management the army is completely automated and the emphasis is put more into leveling up your individual hero in different classes and such dota itself is actually heavily inspired by a custom map of starcraft called aeon of strife from 1998 you know what's uh what's interesting about this is that valve owns dota right yeah which came from warcraft 3 yes which was recently remastered by blizzard activision to not allow custom maps. yes yeah <laughs> like what the hell <laughs> which led to the rise of dota which is a multi-million dollar franchise so warcraft so blizzard activision is literally just like we don't want innovation and valve is like yeah we'll just have that and we'll buy it one of my favorite things about dota is just it became so popular at the time of release that there's actually a song by a swedish dance dj named bass hunter and the song is called in swedish which translates to we're sitting in ventrilo playing dota ventrilo being a popular voice chat service that was available in the early 2000s and literally it's this like powerful bass song that people have probably heard before like i bet if i played a sample of it uh, i don't probably can't because we'd probably get our episode like banned by water uh, it's owned by water music of course we would get a band by water music uh but I'll, I'll send it over to seth and he can probably confirm you've probably heard this song before like this song would play at like middle school high school dances i remember and it's literally just about a guy playing dota and that's all he's doing <laughs> Uh, on vent which is its own thing right yeah i mean nowadays most voice over ip is done through discord which is funny because i mean, we can go on a tangent i used to be a big team speak player oh yeah i used a lot of team speak and um have now primarily switched over to discord and discord won the audience because they provided their servers for free thank goodness because that's how we use the, that's what we use for this podcast well i mean but that's literally how discord took everybody from their previous voice over ips so in 2009 to get back to the story of ice frog <laughs> and a dota uh in 2009 ice frog was hired by valve software to lead a team to develop what would become dota 2 dota was not the first moba and it won't be the last moba for those arguably the success of the first game paved the way for similar games like riot games league of legends or Blizzard's own Heroes of the Storm. Funny fact, Blizzard actually did want a MOBA. <laughs> they just didn't want they, Dota. <laughs> they, just, they just didn't want Dota, apparently. Dota 2, while free to play, has still been able to generate over $406 million. And that was as of 2017, thanks to microtransactions and loot boxes. It's also uh, very, very popular on the esports scene. Yes. Which, prime, you know, you got your Counter-Strikes, your Dota's. 
You've got League of Legends, Heroes of the Storm, StarCraft. They're all very popular eSport games where you can make more money by gambling. Last, but certainly not least, and because I we can't go a single episode without me name-dropping a Sonic game, Sonic Mega Mix. <laughs> I really wanted to talk about this game because unlike the others, it didn't spawn into an official game. However, one of the developers did go on to work on official projects. So Sonic Mega Mix was originally released in 2005 as part of the Sonic Hacking Contest competition, which occurs every single year. And it has at least for the past, like, 15, 16 years. In the first build of Mega Mix, it was a fairly straightforward hack of the first Sonic game, with the major changes really only being a palette alteration and level layout changes, and also some music changes. Later builds, however, offered much bigger changes. Not only were the levels all fully redesigned, new characters were added, such as Mighty the Armadillo, Shadow the Hedgehog, Tails, and Knuckles. Also, every character has a special moveset. Sonic has this ability to do what's called a light dash, which allows him to travel along a line of rings at a super fast pace. He can also do what's called his homing attack, where if you jump and then press the jump button again, you will lock on to the nearest enemy for a quick kind of burst of uh, speed and take out that enemy. Shadow is able to do a quick dash, kind of like Sonic's light dash, but without the need for rings. And Mighty is actually able to store shields. So if he picks up like a electric shield, you can store it into a little bank and use it later if you want to. So a lot more advanced than the original Sonic one. The game was built by a group called Team Megamix, which was led by a developer named Stealth. Again, I'm not sure if that's his given name, but that's what we know him as. So Stealth was a founding member of the really early Sonic hacking scene, and he was kind of integral to it because he was known for creating popular Sonic hacking tools such as SonEd, which is a really useful tool in getting into the code of the old games. Today, Stealth operates under the business known as Headcanon. Now, Headcanon worked alongside someone known as Christian White. Whitehead, who also was a Sonic hacker and went on to create Sonic Mania in 2017 officially for Sega. Uh, Sonic Mega Mix has not been officially sold, so we don't have any like cool numbers on it as it's a fan project, but this is one of the examples where there are plenty of bootleg cartridges available online. Not saying you should go out and buy a bootleg cartridge of a game that you could support the creators of for free just saying that it, i guess it was technically released but yeah it's available for free on on almost every hacking website but i think this is kind of a cool situation right so you have these these two people christian whitehead and and, and stealth who are like widely known for their ability to make good sonic games but for the fans and sega's like you know we have trouble making good sonic games Maybe we need you guys to make the good Sonic games now. And they brought them in. So that's, you know, that's really cool. And Sonic Mania sold very well. It did. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sold, um, it, it certainly sold better than some of other Sega's games. <laughs> and sold better than Sonic Forces, which came out the next year. Yes. Well, hopefully everyone learned something today and enjoyed our Hacks and Mod episode. Uh, special thanks to SSG Infinite Sonic for recommending this episode for us. Check them out on Twitch and uh, give, give them a follow as I'm sure they would appreciate the uh, the follow and the like and the subscribe on Twitch. So help out a fan, help help us, help them. To wrap everything up, we're going to talk about our byway pass. Zach, what are you excited about buying, waiting, or passing on? Seth, the game that I'm excited about buying, waiting, or passing on is a game called Glitchpunk, which I hadn't heard of until today. So Glitchpunk is developed by Dark Lord, 
and being published by our buddies over at Dedalic Entertainment, who I think we've mentioned a couple of times for Byweight Past stuff, but we haven't mentioned for recently played stuff. So I don't know if that's indicative of their quality of their games, but I just know that we've mentioned their name a lot. Glitchpunk is slated for release in early access in quarter two of 2021. It is inspired by top-down action games, and uh, it lets you brawl, shoot, and drive your way through a dystopian future. You play as an android bounty hunter in a brutal world of gangs, cults, and corporations. And there's, according to the game, plenty of work for you. Uh, It is available as a demo as of the recording of this episode. As of the release of this episode, I don't believe it will be available as a demo anymore because it was part of the Steam uh, little festival that went on until about February 9th. But uh, I'm going to give the demo a shot if I hadn't already. And um, I'll put it down as a wait. We'll see if I like it. I do like cyberpunk style games. Uh, I don't actually have the 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 cyberpunk style game but i i do like games of the cyberpunk genre the dystopic i do like yes cyber dystopian future. setting and and the kind of blade runner-esque cyberpunk stuff so uh yeah i'm looking forward to trying it out i'm gonna give the demo a shot and that's that means so that means i'm gonna be waiting on it in case that's not clear so seth what are you gonna be playing what are waiting on (laughs) what are you going to be by waiting or passing on so the game that i'm looking forward to is a game called song of farka i like the name of (laughs) uh i think it's a fun game it reminds me of farkas from the christmas story but only because i (laughs) only because zachary and i have watched that movie more times than uh anyone should have ever watched that movie and will continue to watch that movie more times than it needs to be watched well anyway so song song of farka has nothing to do with christmas or the story of christmas and in fact it has to do with playing as someone named isabella song who is a hacker and a private investigator and your job is to hack cameras phones and computers and question suspects to solve the mystery and yeah i mean uh it's like right up my alley when it comes to being an adventure game where you have hacking components which are a lot of fun for both of those as i think our audience will know by now that i'm a fan of adventure games but i think part of this is also that whenever i see like hacking in a game i see it happen in a lot like actiony type games like why watchdogs or cyberpunk where like the hacking component is part of the action game where song of farka is an adventure game so hopefully it'll be a little more slower paced kind of hacking i'm just interested in seeing their take on the hacking story as it were and i thought that it would be an appropriate game to talk about in an episode about mods and hacks See, I themed my stuff, unlike you, who just wanted to talk about being an android bounty hunter. Honestly, based on the art style and based on the the story, I'm, I'm probably going to buy it. it. Its release date's kind of in the future, but uh, I will have played a demo of it, so I'll probably buy it. So I'm going to put that down as just as a buy. Put it at like a 90% buy. Nice! That's cool. Uh, I will give that game a look at too because I like hacking games, which is fitting for this episode. It is a it is fitting. See, well, Seth, that brings us to the end of the show. So we're gonna get into the uh, the end of the show type situation that we do. Uh, so I'm gonna do it since Zachary did it last time and he wants to take a nap because apparently that's what we do at the end of every of our episodes is take naps hopefully you're not napping listener <laughs> I mean if you are that's fine I'm more power to you if you use this as AMS- ASMR and <laughs> just put us on right before you go to bed listen to our whole catalog that way we all win there's a couple things that we like to talk about at the end of every episode and that's how to contact us support us and to listen to us so in order to contact us you can send us an email at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com 
gmail.com. You can, if you would like, you can also send it to Seth at ClassicGamingBrothers.com, Zach at ClassicGamingBrothers.com, or ClassicGamingBrothers at ClassicGamingBrothers.com. Either way, you could do that. You can also head on over to our website, which is ClassicGamingBrothers.com, and you can go to the Contact Us section of the website, and you can fill out a form, and that form will send the email over to our email box, and we will answer it in kind. We love getting emails from fans. We always respond to them, and we we really appreciate the feedback. Even if it's if even if it's just a you know you've listened to the episode and you just want to shoot us over something quick, by all means, we love reading it. We like we like making sure that you guys are engaged and are enjoying the episodes. So so in order to listen to us, you while you're on our website, you can head over to the lounge, and that's just a fun way to say our media player on the website, where you can just click the play button, you can just listen to episodes right in your browser, and if that is not convenient enough for you, you can get us on whatever listening app that you already use. So if you already use Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, whatever you already use to listen to your podcast or music, search for us and you can find us there. And you can just subscribe to us on those applications and when we drop a new episode, it will be on Sunday, so you can look out for those. Uh, you, it'll just come right into your feed and you can listen to us there. We are on, on most applications, so just search around. And finally, to support us. So right away, right now, if you're listening to this audio, you are supporting us. We appreciate you getting this far in the episode. We appreciate you listening to us and we appreciate you supporting and coming back and listening to us every week. Even if you listen to every other episode or skip episodes you think are boring or listen to us in arrears, so maybe you're a couple episodes behind what what the actual schedule is, that's fine. We try to make our content as, I would say our content is always accessible. I think that these games we talk about are either out or not out. So there you go, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they're uh, they're still there. There's these games are still either out or they're they're still not out yeah. yet. But so, but even if you're so even if you're getting into this episode and we're forty episodes ahead of you, don't worry, just enjoy it and if there's an episode that you like up ahead in the future check it out if there's an episode in the past that you didn't listen to check it out like you don't there's no need to be a completionist of listening to every episode of us so that's one way you can support us by listening to most of our episodes another way you could support us is by giving us a like or a review. Uh, reviews go a long way for podcasts. On the application, they go they go a lot longer than say like a, a review on like I, I don't know like a comment on a YouTube channel. I, I feel like a review for a podcast goes it goes a distance and it shows something. And it shows that this is a podcast that you enjoy and that others should enjoy as well. And so we also we wouldn't mind if you told a few of your friends that you listen to the to us. Don't be embarrassed and say you know I really I have this show that i like to listen to it's uh, called classic gaming brothers and it's it's really niche all right we know that we have no rhyme or reason to the episode so you can't really tell somebody that you could expect a certain pattern or story but it, you know uh, we hope that you enjoy what the episodes are and if you have any feedback that's another way you can support us send us the feedback and tell us what we can be doing differently or tell us to keep it up oh by the way uh you can also support us by going to our social medias so we do have social media channels. We have a Facebook, an Instagram, a Twitter, and a Twitch. Facebook and Instagram are easily searched under Classic Gaming Brothers. Our Twitter is CG Brothers Pod, and our Twitch is twitch.tv slash Classic Gaming Brothers. On Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, we announce whenever our new episodes drop. 
so you can follow us and they sh you should get some notification once you start following us whenever the ep the new episode drops. I think that covers it. Zach, did I miss anything else? Uh, don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. And I've been Seth. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's, That's right. right. Oh, thank gosh. I'm just going to bed. That's <laughs> the funny thing. <laughs> Good night. Good fight. Remember Celebrity Deathmatch? That was such a, like, a claymation. That was such a fun show to just watch. We should have a Celebrity Deathmatch.